Welcome to Thinking Outside the Sandbox, a space broadcasting UBC professors from the Faculty of Education sharing their knowledge on interdisciplinary learning and teacher education. This podcast is brought to you by SCARF Digital Sandbox. On behalf of the SCARF Sandbox team, we acknowledge and think that we have the opportunity to conduct our work on the traditional, ancestral, and unceded territory of the Musqueam people. Hello and welcome to all our listeners to this episode on art and interdisciplinary teaching. Moving along these five points. One, the A in STEAM methodologies and the place art has in interdisciplinary learning. Two, two examples showcasing art-based interdisciplinary projects. Three, art-based indigenous pedagogies and eco-pedagogies as a more inclusive way of being in the world. Four, seeking different spaces such as museums in order to engage with more ways of knowing. And finally, five, the importance of peer review and the active role and possibility that art educators have in regards to making interdisciplinary connections. If you've been following the podcast, by this point, you will already be familiar with Dr. Sandrine Han's work, Intertwining Art, Technology, and Context-Based Learning. For those of you who don't know her, Dr. Sandrine Han is an associate professor from the Faculty of Education, Curriculum, and Pedagogy, who specializes in art education. Currently, Dr. Han's research focuses on visual culture, virtual worlds, and how to apply virtual reality to art education. In early February, she passionately explained the need for educators to rethink and understand the potential art has in learning. Ads, they need to start knowing why it is important to have the A into the STEM to become the STEAM. To me, interdisciplinary is not just about teaching two or three subjects together at the same time, but is teaching them meaningfully um, why we are putting them together. For example, what is art in the interdisciplinary work? A lot of people there in their conception is Oh, artists just make things beautiful. Um, at the end, make things looking nice. But yeah, that's part of that. I will not say no to that because some of the things is need to be beautified. <laughs> yeah, otherwise it's hard to take in. <laughs> However, art can help students to really conceptualize, to really think, combining with imagination. They can have really solid understanding and application. Art provides a way to think, see the things differently. We teach people how to see our surrounding and think about things in a different way. So for scientific people, we are more straightforward. We see the things, we analyze the things, we understand the things. But for art people, we see the things, we think about things, we reverse the things, we re-understand the things. Maybe we finally come to the same conclusion, but the process is different. Ways of thinking is different. So art can provide science a very different way of thinking, but a lot of people ignore that part. They only focus on the end product. So yeah, I think that's the biggest difference between where we put the art. 
Dr. Han acknowledges art as pedagogy, a way of seeing and researching the world just as science and math see their own world through their own lenses. Speaking of people from the science and math community approaching art-based teaching, with us virtually in May was Dr. Marina milner Bolton, who is a professor of science education in the Department of Curriculum and Pedagogy, a math and science teacher for more than 20 years that has been teaching K-12 as well as secondary teachers for half of that time, and has also taught in informal science education settings, including an outdoor school program for gifted children. She shared with us an example within UBC's Bachelor of Education program, showcasing interdisciplinarity by combining art and science in order to create hands-on learning stations. For example, every year we do Family Math and Science Day. I do not know if you have ever visited or you know what it is. It is a big event in our faculty where we tried, and that's actually a real manifestation of interdisciplinarity. So many years ago, about 11, I think, or 10 and a half, Cynthia, Nicole, and I noticed that a lot of our elementary teachers feel that they're generalists, but a lot of them also felt not comfortable with math and science. So we thought, uh, how can I change it? And I, how important it is to make people passionate about something. As soon as you're passionate, even if you're not educated, you'll be more in this field, you'll be more open to learn more. You're, and teachers pass their attitudes towards students, even if they don't say it. You don't need to say you don't like something for the kids to pick up. So Cynthia and I decided that we can start a family math and science day. And I have to say that quite a lot of colleagues supported us. And a lot of them say, let's come together and make secondary students organize stations where they share their passion for science with the community. And they had to create stations where they can engage kids with something that the kids will find interesting. So a lot of projects were the science part of something that might not be considered science by people who don't think about it. So let me give you a few examples. For example, if you know tie-dye t-shirts, you know at some point a lot of people like it, but and it's really nice colors, but how are colors created? How do you create this t-shirt? What is the chemistry behind it? Or for example, if you think of music, you, you probably don't think immediately of science. But if you dig it a little bit deeper, you immediately realize that music has a very strong science background. How different musical instruments work? Why do we have high notes and low notes? Yeah, how did they create those instruments and what? So the music has a very strong connection to science. And some kids who study music seriously, they know it, but a lot of people don't even realize that. So this way, we created projects and a lot of it was not done by us. We didn't tell our teacher candidates, you do this and you do that. We asked them, what are the areas of life that you see some science in that you can create a hands-on activity or station, we called it, for the Family Math and Science Day. In Dr. Milner Bulletin's example, we begin to imagine science and art as entry points to understanding the same world. We just heard how science interacts with art. However, what is the potential for relating art-based into other subjects? To answer that question, we share with you how a Vancouver Arts-based mini-school program used Drama Ed to cover 
many parts of the BC curriculum through the creation of a play. This example belongs to Dr. Shannon Letty, a member of the Métis Nation with ties to the Red River community on her father's side, therefore identifying as an Indigenous person, but also was raised by her mother, a second-generation Irish-Canadian, which makes her identify as a settler person as well. Currently, she is an instructor in Indigenous Education in the Faculty of Education here at UBC. Up next is a fragment of her interview. I used to teach for a while in a program called Athena Arts, uh, which was a Vancouver mini-school program um, for students interested in arts-based learning. I managed to organize it so that we had one class throughout the whole year where all we did was put on a play. And so the students had to, we would usually spoof a, a comedy, so they had to write the script, we had to figure out what music we were going to use, and that often involved rewriting lyrics. Um, students built, designed and built the sets, they figured out what their costumes were going to be, they figured out how they were going to advertise. I mean, it was really a class where we were living in the world, and I think we crossed every single subject area, including woodworking, because at one point I remember I had some students out behind the school. They obviously had all the correct safety equipment, but they were there using a jigsaw, cutting something out for our backdrop. So, you know, and I think that's, that's great because they learned so much more about themselves, about the things that they like to do, about the things that they don't like to do, than they would have if we were just sitting in a classroom, you know, working out of a textbook or off of a worksheet. Dr. Letty talks about learning in order to be in the world. For us to better understand what that means, she shared her own inclusive teaching practices in order to better live in the world. It's funny because I actually feel like I don't have a choice but to use arts-based and Indigenous pedagogies and now environmental pedagogies as well um, because that's just the way I'm wired. Um, but I think it's teachable and I think, you know, I've learned how to be this way because I've listened to elders, I've listened to community members, I've listened to teachers and colleagues and friends and family and thought about, you know, what is a good way to be in the world? And I think those are good ways to be in the world. To me, the biggest advantage of, of matching arts-based pedagogies with Indigenous pedagogies is that it, it creates a much wider range of available materials and available points of entry into subject areas for students. And I think that is really key. We don't all come at things in the same way. Arts-based uh, pedagogies in particular, I mean, part of my practice is actually to um, use examples of contemporary identity-based and politically-based Indigenous artworks to sort of start conversations about what are some assumptions we have about Indigenous people and where do those assumptions come from and how might this radical act of self-representation change the ideas of misrepresentation that I might have carried into this dialogue with art. I think the other thing that it does, and I'm really interested in, in sort of trotting this out a little bit this summer um, when I work with um, secondary students in 440, I love using literature 
as a sort of a complement to academic articles because you can read all kinds of stuff about Indigenous education or you can read about reconciliation, you can read about um, the impact of intergenerational trauma and you, you know, you hear it. But when you read somebody's story about that, then you like you fall in love with the characters that you're reading, right? And so then all of the academic stuff, you actually have a place to hang it and you begin to be more attached to these notions and you begin to be better able to see why this work is important and why we have to change the way we think about education. And again, not just for Indigenous students, but for all of us, because I think this is, I think Indigenous um, pedagogies are very inclusive. I think arts-based pedagogies are very inclusive. Um, and I think, you know, now I, I'm trying to do more work around environmental learning that is in a, in a decolonized mode. And I think that's also very inclusive. And it's, again, like it's the way we live in the world. Having different notions to attach yourself to is a great way of connecting with the world. And so far, we've listened to quite a few from different art practices to art-based entry points in order to engage students with the diverse ways for ideas to be expressed and understood. However, Dr. Marina Milner-Bolletin adds that interdisciplinarity goes beyond different acts of knowing, but also require the physical act of moving to learn in new spaces. She gave an inspiring example on why she likes to take her own students into museums. For me, the biggest thing is to appreciate that there are many ways to look at the world. And I think that's the biggest thing that you can learn from science and that there is no one right answer. There are ways of looking at the world. And as I said before, none of us knows everything about the world that we can know. Yeah, we, each one of us throughout our lifetimes get a, gets a tiny glimpse of the world, a tiny, tiny one. And we're trying to make sense from a tiny glimpse to extrapolate what the world is. But when you go to the Museum of Anthropology, you see that there are many different ways to look at the world. There are many different ways to interact with the world, to appreciate the world around us. I think that what we can teach our students is to take the sense of wonder that you see when you go to the Museum of Anthropology and apply it to different aspects of their life and lives, not just science. And, and for me, you know, when I just go and see Bill Reed's sculpture uh, about the creation, the story of creation, I just can think of it, meditate, I love it. And sometimes it's very difficult to measure, like how do I feel today when I'm looking at the sculpture? Is it five out of 10? Is it 10 out of 10? So not everything has to be measured. And I think that that's another lesson that when you go to the Museum of Anthropology, you feel you can appreciate something without being able to measure it without being able to define it specifically with words because it lives within you it it leaves a huge impression on you so i personally i love this museum because when i feel stressed and when i feel that i have to figure something out that is difficult to make really difficult decisions for my life i go to the museum and it makes me feel better and I don't have a scientific explanation why, but I think it, fulfill, it fulfills a niche in my life. So I think what we can teach our students is to live a full life. And to live a full life is not to be a scientist, is not to be a writer, is to be a full person. And to me, to be a full person means to feel real, 
different niches in your soul, yeah? It can be science, it can be art, it can be literature. I think it's important to be able to reach and to share your ideas with people outside of your very close academic unit. I have to be able to talk to an art person. I have to be able to talk to a music person because people outside of my field who observe how I teach might find things and notice things that I don't because you have sometimes to get out to see the things. When you're in the field, you see the, tre you see the trees and the person outside can start seeing the forest. When we reach out to different areas, we become enriched with possibilities and perspectives. This is the idea we will be closing with. Interdisciplinarity is about reaching into things we might not fully understand. Dr. Sundin Han says, art is the way to getting all subjects to reach and connect. How they collaborate together is the hardest part because no one teacher is able to teach everything. <laughs> yeah, but if you, um, and teachers' time is something very important that they need to have time to come together, sit together, to talk and to discuss what I'm teaching right now, what are you teaching right now, how are we going to work together to help the students to learn. I think art, art educators need to take on the lead role, yeah, because one, we are flexible, two, we have we have the connectivity to be able to connect to different subjects. So if our teachers can step out and say, hey, let's sit down and let me know what are you teaching right now. Let me figure out, can I make a project that relates to your subject area? Um, we will be able to do that. So I, yeah, on one hand, I would say, yeah, art people really need to step out and then say, yes, we can do it. But on the other hand, I would really hope other subject area teachers need to have a little bit open mind. Art is not just for beautifying the things. Art is helping us to understand the world in a different way. On that note, we come to the end of today's podcast. If after listening to Dr. Sundrine Han acknowledge that there are challenges in interdisciplinary teaching and you felt identified, we recommend you tune into our next episode on the challenges of interdisciplinary learning and teaching. A big thank you to Dr. Sundrine Han, Dr. Marina Milner Bolitan, and Dr. Shan Letty for taking their time and sharing their knowledge on interdisciplinary learning and the potential for art-based education. Also, we gratefully acknowledge the support of the Teacher Education Office, CTLT, Work Learn UBC, and the financial support provided by UBC Vancouver students via the Teaching and Learning Enhancement Fund.